Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. From the Carolinas to the world with the World Wide Web, this is Redeeming Truth Radio, and this is your host for the next 30 minutes as we seek to take an expedition for truth, yours truly, Pastor Brian Chilton. And we thank you for joining us today on our podcast. Hope you're doing well wherever you may be uh, listening. Uh, if you're listening to us live, we, of course, invite you to call in. Our number is 323 323- Seven eight four nine six one seven. But of course, you'll have to call in during the live show. Uh, if you catch the podcast, of course, you won't be able to call in. But we do invite you to do so. Again, that's uh, we are here at twelve noon Eastern time every Monday, and so we invite you to call in if you have a question or comment. And of course, we will take your calls towards the end of the podcast. I do have uh, several things I want to discuss. Uh, today, uh, there are a uh, few things, <coughs> excuse me, you have to still bear with me, I'm uh, still struggling to get over this cold. I want to discuss a little later in the podcast uh, about a recent Barna poll that came out. I wrote an article about this just uh, this past week. Uh, this is uh, listing the 100 most Bible-minded cities in the United States of America. And uh, what this poll does, it examines the 100 most populous areas of the United States and lists them according to the most Bible-minded areas and the least Bible-minded areas. And I think there are some uh, principles that we can get and obtain uh, from this research. Just to let you know, be sure to go and check out our website at Bellator Christie, found at pastorbrianchilton.wordpress.com. Uh, we are uh, reaching several nations for the cause of Christ. At last check, it was well over 185 nations, uh, and now with over uh, close, uh, close, nearly, uh, when I just saw just now, over 17, 117,000 people uh, we've reached. And uh, we also have uh, getting close to seven 
1,500 followers on the website. So go check us out. It's easy to subscribe. All you have to do is go to the website. Click the subscribe button at the upper right-hand corner. Uh, put in your email address, and guess what? You're subscribed, and the best thing of all is that it's absolutely free. Uh, so you'll receive an email every time an article is posted. And so we do encourage you to uh, let other people know about the website. Uh, share any of the articles uh, or any of these podcasts that you may hear that you enjoy, that you get something from. And uh, be sure to share it on your website or on your social media account and help us get the word out about the online ministry. And we do appreciate your support, especially those who've already uh, supported the ministry. Uh, by the way, some of the articles that have uh, been posted to Bellator Christie have often also been shared on sites such as the poachedegg.org as well as uh, Frank Turek's site, uh, crossexamine.org. So we appreciate all those uh, who have helped us get the word out. I have a couple of things I want to discuss before we get into the main topic today. And first and foremost is the misunderstanding that exists pertaining to uh, Jerry Falwell Jr.'s endorsement of Donald Trump. Now, as you know, I am a recent Liberty University graduate, and um, I'm going to go ahead and say and go on record to say that I do not uh, support Donald Trump for president. Now, some of you listening, you may be a Trump supporter, and that's fine. But uh, my main purpose in saying that is just to bring to the surface a um, a growing misconception that is uh, especially given by the more lib liberal media agencies that every liberty student falls in line behind what President Falwell says. And that's just simply not the truth. That's simply not the case. In fact, if if you go and... and, and um, introduce yourself and, and know some of the faculty and staff at Liberty University, they don't uh, always go in line with, with the things that are said either. And, and the only thing I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to cause a controversy in saying this, I'm just saying that Liberty University is a university, it's a top-notch university, and the fact is that there are many people using this endorsement as fodder to um, attack a good school, a fantastic school. In fact, as I was uh, talking with a good friend of mine just a few moments ago, I received a great quality education at Liberty University. And I would put Liberty up against almost any place, any educational institution. They have a great program in theology. They have a great program in other areas as well. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And just because that he endorsed uh, Donald Trump, President Falwell endorsed Donald Trump, doesn't mean that every Liberty student does, he, does as well. It doesn't mean that every faculty and staff member does. And it also doesn't mean that the school does. In fact, something that I came across... It, when I first heard about this endorsement, the, the thing that troubled me the most is that I thought that the university was put in a position where they were endorsing the candidate as well, which 
causes all kind of problems if that's the case. But when Donald Trump came to speak at convocation, understand many candidates, including Bernie Sanders, has been at Liberty University to discuss his campaign. Uh, I've been told that Hillary Clinton has been invited to come to Liberty University, and uh, and Ted Cruz actually announced his candidacy for presidency uh, at Liberty University. So there have been many candidates who have been invited. Uh, there have been many candidates who have attended and, and given their, uh, their views at Liberty University. But the media presented... Uh, Falwell's endorsement as if it happened at the university and understand it did not. I want to play for you a clip of the actual convocation as uh, President Falwell begins to introduce Donald Trump. And I want to play this. These are very important words that happen in five minutes into the convocation. So let's go to the clip right now. As you know, Liberty University does not support or oppose candidates for public office, and Mr. Trump's appearance here should not be interpreted by any as an endorsement by Liberty, but we have invited all the other candidates for president from both the Democrat and Republican parties. But I do want to share with you... And then from that point onward, he goes and uh, talks about uh, uh, an apparent friendship between him and Donald Trump. And so I just want to play that clip to let you know that from the outset, Liberty University does not support or endorse any candidate. Now, I'm not a spokesperson for Liberty University. I'm just a simple an alumnus who received a great education at the university. So I think people are very small-minded when they jump on a bandwagon and they begin to think that just because a president of an institution... Uh, gives a personal endorsement or gives a personal opinion about something that everyone in that university is going to fall in alongside. I think that's a very troubling thing that we see. And, and in fact, I believe is something that um, some media agencies, not all, but some media agencies have promoted. Uh, you know, the thing about it is, is uh, and I've said before that I am uh, straying away from the whole political focus. Although there are some areas that I will always be, uh, always stress. I am very pro-life, uh, and I make no bones about that. Okay, I, I believe in the sanctity of life. There are many other issues that I take a strong biblical focus. Okay, and so whether that be considered political or not, you know, I consider those areas biblical. But I also see, and I want to write an article about this uh, coming up later in the week. It's troubling to me that <coughs> that many people, many Americans, evangelical Christian Americans are allowing this uh, presidential campaign to separate the church, to separate us. And, you know, uh, President Falwell, he issued his um, support of Trump, whether you like Trump or not, or whether you like Falwell or not. You know, that's his God-given right to support and endorse whoever he wants to. That doesn't mean the university does. Um, it does make it a little problematic in some areas, 
because of this association that many people are automatically going to make. But you have one evangelical leader saying, hey, this person, what's what troubling to me is you have one evangelical leader saying, well, this person supports this candidate, so they must not really be uh, serious about their Christian convictions. I heard a uh, radio uh, program just yesterday. And in fact, well, let, let me go forth first and say that I've heard people uh, question Falwell's Christianity because of his support of Trump. Just yesterday, I heard a radio program that came on uh, the Truth Network where the um, host questioned the Christianity of those who don't support Trump. You see, folks, I think there's a problem with this. And this is exactly the reason why I am not focusing on politics. There are bigger fish to fry. Listen, I know that this is a very important presidential campaign. I know that there's a lot riding on this election. I understand that. I understand that completely. I appreciate that fact. And I know people have strong opinions either for or against a candidate. But as, as I was talking with some fellow students, it doesn't matter who you support, you're going to make someone mad. I don't care who you support. If you are a liberal Democrat and you support Bernie Sanders, you're going to make some other uh, Republican Christians angry. If you support Donald Trump, Trump you're going to make uh, some other evangelical Christians mad. You're going to make some Republican Christians mad. If you support Cruz, you're going to make some mad. If you support Ron Paul, you're going to make or Rand Paul, you're going to make some people mad. If you support Marco Rubio, you're going to make some people mad. Why is it that we have become so obsessed with this? I'm not a big CNN supporter, but I do like an article that Daniel Burke, the CNN religion editor, uh, posted on January 25th, 2016. And, uh, it's can be, it can be found at uh, www.cnn.com, um, and it gives the date in politics, seven types of evangelicals and how they'll affect the presidential race. And I think he gives a good synopsis of, of this issue. He gives seven different categories, seven different groups of evangelical Christians. And he says in this article that evangelicals represent a large slice of the electorate, especially in states that vote early in the campaign calendar. In 2012, 57% of people who participated in the Iowa presidential caucuses identified themselves as quote-unquote, born-again or evangelical, end of quote. He goes on to say, this year evangelicals are again predicted to make up a majority of GOP primary voters in a slew of states that vote by early March. But what we say here, and, and he goes on to quote uh, Russell Moore, a leading Southern Baptist, that says that the problem is that many secular people think that all evangelicals are alike, when there are multiple streams and theological and generational divides within evangelicalism. And I think he's right about that, end of quote. 
he says, he goes on to say, uh, Burke does, uh, that uh, with the help of experts, we counted seven ways evangelicals approach politics. How well the GOP candidates court each camp could determine their fate in the primaries, and not only the GOP, but the Democratic Party as well. These are the seven categories, and I think this gives us a good idea of, of, of what a um, endorsement says about the type of Christianity that a person possesses, or not necessarily the type of Christianity. I think maybe that's the wrong way to put it, but but the, the but the mindset of the person. Okay, I think it gives us a good mindset of the person, the way the person is viewing the the election and the way they're going into the election. And the first category, I want to go through this, and before we get into our main topic today, the first category uh, Burke lists is called the old guard. And examples of this are uh, focused on the families James Dobson, Tony Perkins, and John Hagee represent the old guard. Uh, these are listed as, and I quote, aging veterans of the culture wars. These evangelicals believe the United States is and should remain a Christian nation, and they, which typically means that they flock to conservative presidential candidates. And uh, the presidential candidate that is most supported by those of the quote-unquote old guard uh, is Senator Ted Cruz. The second category is that of institutional evangelicals. This includes Rick Warren and Russell Moore. Uh, and he goes on to say that these evangelicals had megachurches, charities, seminaries, and umbrella groups such as the National Association of Evangelicals. They tend to back candidates who, while sharing their core values, stand a solid chance of winning the presidency. Institutional evangelicals rarely endorse politicians, but can make their preferences known in other ways. And, uh, in fact, uh, megachurch pastor Rick Warren and Southern Baptist intellectual R. Albert Moeller, for example, recently joined advisory boards on Marco Rubio's presidential campaign, which means that institutional evangelicals tend to flock to Marco Rubio. Okay, so that that's the second category. The third category are represented by what's called entrepreneurial entrepreneurial evangelicals, uh, and and these evangelicals don't share the same theological beliefs. In fact, they are from a wide wide spect variety of spectrums. I mean, they may be leading uh, leading radio syndicated um, uh, hosts. They may be famous authors. Uh, they may be presidents. And in fact, Jerry Falwell Jr. is in this category. Uh, there, there are famous business owners uh, who are Christians. These individuals, uh, it is said, appreciate personalities who, who uh, play well on television and don't mind a little political incorrectness. They appreciate a good business person. And so the advantage in the entrepreneurial evangelicals goes to Donald Trump. <clears throat> and I think this explains what's going on. In fact, Falwell says that he wasn't looking to elect a pastor-in-chief, but someone who was going to be good at business who could lead in that way. Now, whether you endorse or whether you support or, or, or 
or, or criticize his endorsement, at least understand from where the the at least understand where he's coming from. I think that's just fair to do that, whether you support or endorse, um, whether you support or reject his endorsement. So, but that's not only him. There are many entrepreneurial evangelicals. In fact, the radio host I listened to just last night was a big Trump supporter, and he himself is an entrepreneurial evangelical. Well, the fourth grouping is called arms-length evangelicals. This includes people like John Piper and Timothy Keller. Uh, They don't often appear on the radar of mainstream media, in part because they talk more about Christ than caucuses. But arms-length evangelicals dominate some of the most dynamic movements within conservative Christianity. They consider it foolhardy for candidates to use their faith as a footstool to higher office and are reluctant to fuse the sacred sphere of religion with profane politics. Again, Tim Keller of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York who counsels his congregation to get involved in politics but to be very critical of both parties in other words, don't sell your soul to politics, he says, is one. And uh, John Piper, a former megachurch pastor in Minnesota, one of the most influential evangelical voices, said that churches and their ministers should remain apart from political activism, is what he says. Well, these guys, um, most likely, according to the article, are going to support Marco Rubio again. So you have two for for Rubio. Uh, Millennial evangelicals are a little bit more difficult to pinpoint. This includes Eric Tetzel, uh, Jordan Seculo, I always get his name pronounced wrong, Uh, Jordan Seculo of uh, the uh, American Center for Law and Justice, the ACLJ, and Johnny Moore, uh, represent the millennial evangelicals. These are younger evangelicals, and um, Johnny Moore, an evangelical author who is advising Dr. Ben Carson's campaign, says, The difference between me and my parents' generation, the culture warriors, is that I actually know people on the other side, and I like them. According to the Pew survey, evangelical millennials are less likely than their elders to identify as politically conservative uh, and oppose some things that many would oppose who were older. They are also more supportive of environmental regulations. Uh, um, More is of at least three evangelical millennials advising GOP candidates on faith outreach, a sign of their growing political power. And the advantage of this group, this is really the wild card. This group is listed as too soon to tell. Don't really know. And uh, going on, we see um, not only millennial evangelicals, but liberal evangelicals listed as Jim Wallace, William Shaw, Jimmy Carter. Uh, Obviously, you're going to see the support for Democrats. Then there are also what's called cultural evangelicals. Uh, They are born-again Christians, but they don't necessarily... Uh, they're not necessarily involved as heavily in um, church as others in the past have been. Now this group is interesting uh, because for those who actually do uh, go to church on on a fairly reasonable basis or a reasonably 
regular basis, I guess you'd say, uh, they're less likely to support Trump. But those who are um, those who are less involved in, in church, according to this group, are likely to um, support Trump. So the advantage given by Burke in this area is, goes to Trump. So I again, I, I think that article is very good in demonstrating the differences that exist between um, different types of evangelicals. And and there are there are those who are going to support other candidates like Carson or Paul or others. But I think the important thing we need to remember is to not allow politics to override our Christian virtues and values. Don't allow politics to override the unity that we're supposed to have as a church. That's why I'll be glad when this thing is over. I know it won't be the end of the controversy, especially depending on who wins. But uh, in the article that I'm going to write coming up later in the week, you know, I think as a good buddy of mine says, I don't always agree with this friend of mine who posted this, but he says we've got to remember that God is in control and He is sovereign. And in the end, everything's going to work out for good to those who are called according to Christ Jesus. All right, we're getting uh, low on time here. Let's uh, use the last few minutes, and of course we'll open it up if we have any callers who would like to uh, uh, give a comment to the things that we've discussed today. Uh, We're going to take a look at the uh, Barna poll, which has given the 10 most and least Bible-minded U.S. citizens, uh, excuse me, cities in the United States of America. Uh, This lists out 100 different populated areas, or most populous areas, of the United States and ranks uh, these areas according to what is considered to be Bible-minded. And Bible-minded is understood, evaluated as being Bible-reading habits. In other words, those who have regular Bible-reading habits and those who have a high belief about Scripture. So if you have an area where people are... um, more regular in their reading of God's Word and believe that the Bible is the Word of God, then you're going to have uh, a higher ranking if you have more people in that area. And if you have uh, less who regularly read the Bible and uh, less who have a high view of the Bible, then obviously they're going to be lower on the list. Now the research noted, it's interesting to note here, that Tennessee is home to more mega churches per capita at 67% than any other state. Texas, I believe, is uh, is one of the top three states with the most mega churches uh, per capita. But Tennessee is number one. And as previous studies have indicated, uh, one should note that the Bible Belt stands firm again. Uh, quote, unquote, the South remains the most Bible-minded region of the country with all of the top ten cities located below the Mason-Dixon line. And that comes from uh, Zylstra, her uh, article in ChristianityToday.com. So what are the top ten and the top, the top ten most Bible-minded cities and the top ten least Bible-minded cities? Well, let's first go to the least Bible-minded cities. What are the least Bible-minded cities? That's what we're looking for. Well, coming in at the lowest area of the list is uh, Albany, 
Schenectady in Troy, New York, that area, uh, which only had 10% of the population who who regularly read the Bible and uh, who held a high view of Scripture. Okay, so that is the uh, the lowest major populated area uh, uh, of the United States that you know. So, in other words, they they hold the less the least Bible minded area. Coming in at ni- number ninety nine. Of course, this is a top one hundred list. So these top ten are uh, are are the less the least. Coming in at ninety nine is Boston, Massachusetts, and Manchester, New Hampshire, with only eleven percent who held a regular Bible minded uh, practices. Uh, number ninety eight is Providence, Rhode Island, and New Bedford, Massachusetts, coming in at twelve percent. Number ninety seven, Cedar Rapids and Waterloo, Iowa. Now this is kind of surprising to me because the Midwest is normally a uh, more uh, biblical minded area, but uh, Cedar Rapids and the Waterloo, Iowa area is in at thirteen percent. Buffalo, New York, is at thirteen percent. Uh, number that comes in at number ninety six. Number ninety five is Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, at fourteen percent. Number 94 is San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose, California, that region, at 15%. Number 93 is Hartford, New Haven, Connecticut, with 16% being Bible-minded. At number 92 is Phoenix, Prescott, Arizona, coming in at 16%. 16 of the populace are Bible-minded citizens. And number 91, uh, coming in at number 91, and this is surprising, this I found surprising, is Salt Lake City, Utah at 17%. This is especially uh, interesting because uh, this is a large Mormon area, and I would, would I really expected uh, that number to be higher than what it was. All right, let's take a look at the top 10 most Bible-minded cities in the United States. <coughs> These areas that came in, with the most Bible-minded citizens uh, in the area of these most populous areas. Coming in at number 10 is Lexington, Kentucky, uh, with 44% of the citizens holding a Bible-minded mentality. Coming in at number 9 is the area of Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, South Carolina, slash Asheville, North Carolina, coming in at 44%. Number 8, Knoxville, Tennessee, coming in at 45%. Uh, Number 7 is Little Rock, Pine Bluff, Arkansas, coming in at 45%. Number 6, we have an area fairly close to me, Charlotte, North Carolina, coming in at 46%. Uh, The Tri-Cities, Tennessee area comes in at number 5 at 47%, tied with number 4, Shreveport, Louisiana, at 47%. Coming in at number 3 is Roanoke slash Lynchburg, Virginia, home of Liberty University, coming in at 48%. Number 2 is Birmingham, Alabama, coming in at 51%. And number 1... Drum roll, please. Musician is the best way to learn. Well, and that wasn't it. <laughs> All right, hold on a second. Drum roll, please. 
waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay, and this is not doing the one I was hoping it would. Drum roll, please. There we go. All right, there we go. Well, <laughs> having technical difficulties here. All right, anyhow. Uh, let's just forget the drum roll. All right, coming in at number one at 52%, another Tennessee town, Chattanooga, Tennessee. You come in at number one, the most Bible-minded areas. Now, I want to look at the – and we're going over the time limit here. And, again, if you have – uh, if you'd like to call in, be be sure to do this. We'll take your calls at the uh, at, at towards the end of the podcast. As looking at um, as looking at this and looking for some other areas, uh, we are um, looking at some other North Carolina areas for those of you listening to this who may be in the Carolinas. Uh, See, so we have another area: Greensboro, High Point, Winston Salem came in at twenty one. Uh, with 54, excuse me, 37 percent of the population, Raleigh, Durham, Fayetteville come in at 24th with 36 percent of the population. Now, one thing I found that was interesting is that uh, in Lynchburg you have Liberty University, Chattanooga. Around the Chattanooga area you have uh, some some uh, strong churches, strong colleges, universities. Uh, to my understanding, Bible colleges around that area, from what I've been told. And uh, in Charlotte, you have Southern Evangelical Seminary, Gordon-Conwell University, uh, and or Seminary, and many other places like that. What A couple of things that I, I found in this is one that I think discipleship works. You know, the areas where you have people who take the Bible seriously, they're going to train other people to take it seriously as well. But I also think there's another thing that we need to take from this, and that is that evangelism is necessary in some of these lesser Bible-minded areas. You may have a tougher time getting through, but you know... I don't think we should avoid these areas because they're less Bible-minded, but I think, in fact, we ought to focus in and, um, and, and really seek to make a difference in these different areas. So anyhow, this has been Redeeming Truth Radio, and this is Pastor Brian Chilton saying God bless. We'll see you back next time. If we do have any phone calls, we'll take them uh, right after this brief break. If not, then have a great week, and we'll see you back next time. God bless.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.